The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Monday, August 10th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. CD Projekt Red details the classes, music, and guns of Cyberpunk 2077. The Last of Us Part 2 is getting a harder difficulty and a permadeath mode. Final Fantasy VII Remake and Fall Guys are both selling very well. And Warner Media might be reconsidering its sale of its video game division. The second episode of Cyberpunk 2077's Night City Wire series detailed classes weapons, and the music of the game. Developer CD Projekt Red shared the second episode of its Night City Wire series this morning, which offered all kinds of new details about Cyberpunk 2077. It focused on three things predominantly. The three classes you can choose from at the start of the game, the music, and the weapons. The classes in the game don't seem to necessarily be tied directly to gameplay. It's not like you're choosing between a character who uses a sword versus a character who uses a bow and arrow, but rather it dictates your narrative history. You can choose between street kid, nomad, or corpo. As a street kid, the idea is that you start the game in Night City. You grew up in Night City, and as a result, you start the game with all kinds of knowledge and connections within Night City's underground. A nomad is someone who grew up outside of Night City. You live in the outskirts of the city, so that's where you start. It's like this big desert wasteland. Part of your goal as a nomad from the start of the game is to actually make your way into Night City from the outside. So once you're in Night City, you have to start making connections and meet people. The third class, Corpo, gives you the opportunity to basically start the game as an upper-class citizen with the idea that in your past, you climbed the corporate ladder, but it seems like the corporate world is very cutthroat and, you know, scary in cyberpunk. Your class choice will also dictate what kind of choices you will see in the dialogue and what kind of secondary missions you can go after. I think I'm going to go Street Kid myself. They also spent time on the music, specifically talking about the band that Keanu Reeves' character, Johnny Silverhand, leads. The band's called Samurai. CD Projekt Red brought on the band Refused to basically write an album for Samurai, and they talked to the band about the strange process of creating an album for a fictional band with a fictional lead singer. Some of the songs Refused has created are actually already online available to you know, download and stream, which is, which is interesting. The lead singer of Refused and the singing voice of Johnny Silverhand, Dennis Lixon, said something interesting in that he's not really a gamer, which I think is cool. I also bet he doesn't quite know the scope of the game and how big it is going to be, which is pretty exciting for him. I think it will really help elevate the band more than they expect, which is pretty cool. 
The third segment of the Night City Wire video focused predominantly on weapons, focusing specifically on guns. There will be melee weapons, and we saw some weird wrist rockets and Wolverine-style gauntlets and swords, but this particular segment was just about guns. There will be three types of guns, power guns, tech guns, and smart guns. Power guns are the most familiar contemporary guns. You pull a trigger, bullets come out, you know what to expect. The other gun classes, though, are a little more interesting. Tech guns can do things like bounce bullets off of walls, you know, Jack 3 style, which is my point of reference for bouncing bullets. Smart guns can do stuff like track enemies, so you can fire off a gun and the bullets will chase down your opponents. One smart gun they showed was a shotgun with eight barrels, so you can just fire off a bunch of rounds without going far and just clear out a room. They also revealed, while talking about the guns, that you can acquire non-lethal rounds, which is cool. This makes me wonder if you can get through the whole game without killing anyone. It seems unlikely, but I think that would be a cool option. Finally, CD Projekt Red quickly announced a book coming out ahead of the game that sort of functions like an art book, but it also looks like it dives into a lot of the lore of the world, which I think is a pretty cool thing to do. Like, I would totally peruse that book ahead of the release of the game to learn about the world. I don't want mainline story spoilers, but to just learn about the various citizens and the corporations of the world beforehand, I think I think that's a smart idea. I weirdly have not been super excited about Cyberpunk 2077. The game just seems like a big time investment, which I just I don't really have a lot of time lately. I I play a lot of video games, absolutely, but I usually play for like 45 minutes to an hour at a time. I rarely have the time these days to sit down for like two and three hour gaming sessions, which Cyberpunk 2077 seems like it will require. That being said, the more I see of it, the more I am looking at my general schedule and trying to see if maybe I can make time to play that game. It's making me excited about playing it. The Last of Us Part 2 is getting a harder difficulty and a permadeath mode, according to some trophies that popped up recently. The Last of Us Part 2 is getting an update sometime soon to add new modes, and it looks like trophy data from the game may have revealed the plan a little earlier than they probably wanted to. But hey, I mean, that's just the nature of The Last of Us Part 2 at this point. Ryan Gilliam reported on the trophy details for Polygon and wrote, On Monday, Naughty Dog updated the PlayStation trophies for The Last of Us Part Two, revealing some new modes coming to the game, permadeath options, and the return of the original game's grounded mode. In The Last of Us, Naughty Dog added the hyper-difficult grounded mode after launch. This mode triples enemy damage, removes Listen Mode, the tool that helps players track nearby enemies, removes the HUD, and offers next-to-no supplies strewn about the world. There are also fewer checkpoints. Gilliam continued later in the story, According to the DLC update, players can also turn on a permadeath mode in The Last of Us Part Two. In other games, permadeath suggests failure at even a single death, meaning players would need to start over at the beginning if they die. The you-can't-stop-this-trophy goes to players that complete the story on any permadeath setting, which suggests players can apply permadeath to multiple difficulty types. That story is linked in the show notes. It's unclear exactly when this update will be going live, but if the game is already getting the trophies, then it, it should be pretty soon. It's a cool mode. 
that I am sure folks will be excited about and take advantage of, but it's one that I personally can't imagine I will ever touch. That game is already intense enough. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Final Fantasy VII Remake and Fall Guys are both selling very well. It's time to do some sales discussions because the numbers are available and they are pretty impressive. It's also interesting to see these two games' sales side-by-side. Final Fantasy VII Remake, which released on April 10th of this year, has now surpassed 5 million copies sold, which, according to developer-publisher Square Enix, that makes it the highest-selling digital release on PlayStation and Square Enix history. Fall Guys is a very, very different game that released on August 4th, It has already sold 2 million copies just on Steam. The game is currently a PlayStation Plus game, which makes it available to download for those who subscribe to PlayStation Plus. So a lot of people played it there, but 2 million copies sold on Steam is kind of a mind-blowing statistic. Congrats to developer Mediatonic and publisher Devolver Digital. Devolver has only grown and expanded as a publisher with many impressive hits over the last few years. But Mediatonic has also really grown this year, with Fall Guys obviously doing very well. That developer, Mediatonic, they also released Murder by Numbers earlier this year, which is a game I enjoyed. In a press release from Devolver Digital, it reads, The euphoric team of Mediatonic and Devolver Digital are thrilled to announce that Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout has welcomed over 2 million players on Steam since its release on August 4th, making it the company's most successful launch ever. The big question for Fall Guys at this point is how Mediatonic will continue to support the game. They pretty clearly have a hit on their hands, and it's one that I think is going to transform into a bit of a living game, just out of necessity. I really think it's going to make Mediatonic a studio to keep an eye on moving into the future. Warner Media CEO seems to be considering holding on to the video games division. Deadline's Nelly and Driva posted a story on Friday that shared quotes from Warner Media CEO Jason Killar, which touched on some ambiguous details about the company's future. Things are apparently being restructured there, which may lead to layoffs, but Killar, which is a you know a rough last name to have if you're talking about laying people off, 
seems to be optimistic about the company's video game division. As it stands now, the video games side of Warner Media is supposedly up for sale. That means properties like Mortal Kombat and game developers like Rocksteady, the creators of the Batman Arkham games and the recently announced Suicide Squad game, could theoretically be under a different publisher umbrella in the future. Nothing is confirmed and nothing has changed, but Killart did have at least something to say about its video game division in the Deadline article. In response to the areas where Warner Media sees opportunity for expansion, Killar talked about the CNN brand, saying there is lots of room to expand its footprint. And he said about Warner Media's video games, quote, Also, we have a very strong interactive team of about 2,000 software developers that tell interactive stories. The opportunity to go global with that is very, very big as well. That story is linked in the show notes, and you can read that quote multiple ways. Killar might be saying, hey, look at how attractive our video games are. Would you like to own them? They're for sale right now. It could be a sales pitch, but you could also read it as an area of the company where Killar now sees opportunity for expansion. In restructuring, Warner Media might want to get rid of the things that have reached their apex and focus on things that it thinks can grow, like CNN and video games. Only time will tell what Warner Media ultimately decides to do, but I think it's a small but interesting new detail. All I care about, though, as a consumer who just likes video games and wants to keep playing video games, is that whatever Warner Media decides to do with that gaming branch, I just want to make sure Rocksteady gets to keep making video games. And I would like it if their current project, Suicide Squad, is not interrupted in any major way. I would hate for them to, like, have to scrap their work and start on something new. They've been working on it for so long. So fingers crossed that nothing changes there. Not much in terms of new releases today, but Neon Genesis Evangelion is collaborating with Puzzles and Dragons starting today and going until August 23rd. I should really like Puzzle and Dragons because I like a good match three mobile game, but It's one I never really got into. I think the most I played it was the 3DS Mario-themed version. But I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion for the first time when it came to Netflix recently. So this makes me kind of curious to go give the game another shot. And speaking of mobile games, Game of Thrones, Tale of Crows, released for mobile via Apple Arcade on Friday. I know the Game of Thrones franchise has really fallen from grace and interest in IP has waned significantly, but this game does look interesting. It's a management sim where you are in control of the comings and goings of the Night Watch, sending out groups into the frozen wilderness to go do like surveys and stuff. It has a cool art style too. It, it looks kind of interesting. That's it for gaming news today. I played a little more Paper Mario, the Origami King, this weekend. It's almost laughable how slowly I'm creeping through that game. I also played a game called Death Unchained this weekend for Oculus Quest. I somewhat randomly received a code from the publisher to check it out, but I was eager to do so because I had played the game on Oculus Rift a few years ago and enjoyed it. But anytime I can play the Quest version of a Rift game, I will always take it because I vastly prefer Quest. Losing those wires is really everything. It's a rogue light where you are making your way through a randomized series of levels that takes place 
in sort of a dreamlike medieval fantasy kind of castle. You have a bow and arrow as your only weapon, unless you unlock more later that I haven't discovered. And you use that bow and arrow to fight knights and archers and what appears to be zombies. Firing off a bow is a very physical, satisfying action to do in VR, so I like it for that reason. You also use the bow and arrow to actually move around, which is cool. You basically fire off a a movement arrow and you zip to the spot where it lands. You also have a little motion knife, I guess you can say, and you can throw it to the side to basically do a quick dodge. And you have a shield you can use to block incoming arrows, which I didn't find myself using much, but it does feel pretty good to catch an arrow with a shield. I am not a big fan of the roguelite genre, but I think it works well for this game in VR. It keeps play sessions short because it's challenging, and when you die, it marks a a pretty good time to take a break. If you are making progress, though, it has a checkpoint system that encourages you to take a break, which I appreciate. It's one of those games that identifies the platform it is on, VR, and works to make it an interesting experience around that platform. And like I said, it's just fun to fire off a bow and arrow in VR, so I am happy to have a game that anchors itself around that whole mechanic. Had a few people send me this correction over the weekend about the Alan Wake DLC planned for Control, and I was very happy to receive it. I assumed, like the last Control DLC, that it would be a timed exclusive and an Epic Games Store exclusive, but I got an email from Rob that read, Love the show. I too thought I'd have to wait to play AWE, which is the the DLC in question here, on Xbox, but per the official game website, it releases simultaneously on all platforms. Thank goodness. And sure enough, on the game's website, it reads, Thanks to our friends at PlayStation, we were happy to debut the AWE expansion trailer at PlayStation's State of Play stream. AWE will be available on August 27th on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Epic Games Store. So that's great news. Also, thanks to at Freelancer Codex on Twitter for also passing along that correction. I really appreciate it. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email to Kyle at ridehome.info and please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator. I finished up Metal Gear Rising Revengeance today. I was actually kind of surprised how short that game was. I thought I would be playing it longer, but so, you know, it's back to me finding something new to play. So I'll be playing something new on Thursday. I just don't know what it is yet. Might be Halo. We'll see. You can also find me on the MinMax Show for more long-form video game discussions. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.